No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we look at Psalms 87 and 88. The first psalm celebrates the glories of Jerusalem. The second is a prayer from an afflicted, abandoned, and despondent soul. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. Life is full of both joys and sorrows, and we would like the joys to continue all the time. And we would like to just skip over the sorrows if possible, but God has seen fit to allow us to experience our share of each. Now, today we look at two Psalms. Psalm 87 speaks of the joys and glories of Jerusalem, but Psalm 88 is probably the most sorrowful Psalm in the Bible. Both are attributed to the sons of Korah. Psalm 87, a Psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Selah. Now God has placed his foundation in the city of Jerusalem. It is the most important real estate on the planet, for it is where Christ will reign forever on the throne of David. And from that throne, his righteousness will go out to all the earth. Now, the Lord loves her gates because it is through these gates that the king of glory shall come. Glorious things are spoken of Jerusalem, both in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation. And if you want to know where we are on God's timetable, well, just keep your eyes fixed on Jerusalem. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia entire with Ethiopia. This one was born there. And of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Selah. Stop and think about that. The psalmist here lists several nations that had been enemies of Israel. Rahab is a reference to Egypt, where, of course, Israel had been slaves 400 years. They were also taken captive to Babylon for 70 years. Philistia and Tyre had been perennial enemies, as had the Ethiopians of Cush in uh, northern Africa. But these enemies will become friends in the millennial kingdom when Christ reigns. The Lord will record that these Gentile nations were born there in Jerusalem. In other words, God will adopt them as his own and they will worship the Lord along with Israel. Now, we who are in the church today already experience this union with Israel. According to Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise. So both Jew and Gentile are united 
when they believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Both the singers and the players on instruments say, All my springs are in you. And this is a beautiful expression spoken by the singers and musicians. Jerusalem has no river running through it, but the Gihon Spring supplies water to the city. However, this expression speaks of spiritual springs, that is, living water. All are springs of life. Our source of spiritual vitality comes from there. Not the physical Jerusalem per se, but from our Lord who makes Jerusalem his everlasting home. Remember what Jesus said on the last and great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. He stood up and he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of him, out of his belly, will come forth rivers of living water. And so, in the millennial kingdom, there will be the, the river of living water flowing from the throne. But to us who come to Jesus now, who receive his Holy Spirit, we have rivers of living water flowing out from us uh, to a needy world. Well, we come to Psalm 88. Now, as I said, this is a very sorrowful psalm. It, it says a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the chief musician set to Mahalath Le'anath. A contemplation of Heman, the Ezraite. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. Now, assuming that it was Heman who wrote this contemplative psalm, he was in a place of utter despondency. Anyone who has ever struggled with depression can relate But even from this low place, he knew the one to cry out to. As long as we have faith to cry out to God, there is still hope. But pity the poor soul who has not even the faith to cry out to God in times of distress. Despite what Heman was going through, the Lord was still the God of his salvation. Now his cry was ceaseless. Like a child who won't be dissuaded until he gets the attention of his mother or father. He prayed throughout the day and even at night that God would incline his ear to his cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man who has no strength adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your hand. So his soul was full of troubles. There seemed to be no way out, and he was overwhelmed. Now, whether his condition was the result of illness or threats, he felt that his life was ebbing lower and lower to the grave. It didn't seem to him that he would ever escape. He figured that his life was as good as over, and he had no strength left to fight. These circumstances were too overpowering for him. He felt as though he was adrift among the dead, like those bodies strung out on the battlefield that are nameless and forgotten. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Selah, stop and Pause. Think about that. If there were degrees of depths, 
of a pit. Then Heman was at the lowest level of that pit. All around, there was only darkness with little or no hope of escape. He felt that the Lord had laid his wrath heavy upon him. Now, it's one thing to experience the wrath and the hatred and animosity of men. But if you feel that God himself has laid his wrath upon you, then that is a terror unlike any other. For the very one whom you would cry out to is shooting his arrows at you. Now, this was not truly the case. The Bible tells us that God's people are not appointed to suffer God's wrath. When we are in Jesus Christ, then we know that Christ suffered the wrath of God in our place. But the psalmist felt as though God's wrath was striking him like waves crashing against a boat adrift at sea in a tempest, like the disciples on the Sea of Galilee who thought that they would surely perish in the storm. But in the case of this psalmist, there was no Lord sleeping in the stern on the boat that he could wake up to calm the storm. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Selah. So he said, you have put away my acquaintances. Those who were his friends, his loved ones would have nothing to do with him. They had forsaken him, maybe because they thought that God was against him. And so they left him. Then he says, I am shut up and cannot get out. I just think of so many people throughout this pandemic where there's been lockdowns and people have been shut up in their homes. They can't get out and, and they're miserable and they're depressed. And, and that's what this psalmist was feeling, that he couldn't get out of this situation. My eye wastes away. He's looking for the Lord to bring salvation, yet it does not come. I have called daily upon you. And so I think of like David in Psalm 69, where he says, my throat is parched and dry like a bone. I've been crying out, but you're not answering me. Now, shall the dead praise you? What good is it going to do if I die? I can't write any more Psalms for you, Lord. And will I praise you from the grave? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Now, in those days, they had a limited understanding of what happens after you die, you know, and they would go to Hades until Christ came. Now, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he's just looking at the grave and, and considering that if he dies, how can he continue to praise God? But to you, I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning... My prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? So he's cried out from the beginning in the morning. He's crying out all day. Why have you cast off my soul? Now, the reality was the Lord did not cast off his soul. God won't cast off your soul. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But again, this is how it felt to him. It seemed that God would have nothing to do with him and None of his prayers were being answered, and the Lord was hiding his face from him. Now, it does seem that way at times, that God is hiding his face from us when we can't seem to just pierce through 
the darkness that's overhead to see the Lord's face, to, to feel his favor, to, to feel his countenance shining upon us. And that's the way he felt. I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. Now, it could be that he had been suffering these afflictions or illness from the time of childhood. That's a very tough burden to bear. I, I suffered your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me all together. And so all of these terrors, he felt completely isolated from God. Loved one and friend, you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. So they have left him. Or it could be that he's saying, my acquaintance is now darkness. And that's where it ends. With the word darkness, it doesn't get much worse than that. And uh, like I said, this is a psalm where there's no resolution. Most psalms will end in sort of a, you know, but trust in the Lord and he's coming through in the end. But there's nothing like that. There's no high note. It just ends in darkness, literally. But it is part of the word of God. And we must face the fact that there are times in life where we go through these periods of darkness and it seems that it continues on and on. But as we shall see the next psalm, there is hope. And there is always hope so long as we can look to the Lord as our salvation. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll look at Psalm 89 where Ethan writes a contemplation. In the first part of the psalm, he sings of the Lord's mercies and might. Who is like him? We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible.